Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Hey everyone, just wanted to take a moment to tell you a little bit about our new partner, artandobject.com. Artandobject.com is a great new site that provides up-to-date information about art, art history, and what is happening in the art world. It's a great resource that features current exhibitions all around the world and showcases arts-related content, like podcasts. Be sure to check it out at www.artandobject.com. I also wanted to quickly thank all of our patrons for making the Art History Babes possible, and a special thank you to our producer-level patrons, Sarah Sawachka-Dalton and Anna Marie Piccioni. We seriously appreciate y'all so much. If you would like to learn how to become a patron, head on over to patreon.com slash arthistorybabes, and enjoy the show! Hey all, just a quick little amendment on this episode. Towards the end of the episode, we are discussing the Lascaux Caves in France, and I bring up Werner Herzog's documentary Cave of Forgotten Dreams, which is actually about Chauvet Cave, another Paleolithic cave in France. I just kind of conflated the two in my head. So just to clear that up, we occasionally get things wrong here, and we really appreciate when our listeners, especially our educators out there, email us if they think something might be off about our information. Please let us know. We want to make sure we're getting the correct information out to all the art history babes out there. So thanks so much. Enjoy the show. From Art History Babe Briefs. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Corey. I'm Natalie. And we are the Art History Babes. And we're coming to you long distance today because the internet is magic. Yep. Welcome to the 21st century. It's pretty crazy. <laughs> I was actually like I told my mom today, I was like, yeah, I'm recording with Nat. And she like looked at me and she's like, how? <laughs> the internet is a beautiful thing. <laughs> I know people look concerned at me when I say that we live in different cities. And I'm like, no, we're good. We, we figured it out. We have technology yeah. on our side. Everything is good. And be glad you're not here because our state is on fire. I'm very concerned. I'm concerned for all you. Like, are you okay? Are you sick? The air quality and all the fires and stuff. It sounds terrifying. Yeah, it's really not good. Um, Sacramento has been pretty bad air quality wise. I think just geographically, the way we sit in the valley, it kind of like gathers here and we haven't mm -hmm. had any wind. We haven't had any rain. It's supposed to rain oh, tomorrow, no. but it's been good. Just the conditions are the worst and it's just been spreading so fast. I mean, it's really sad if you haven't been following. I'm sorry to bring down your mood right now, but if you're in California, especially those affected, say, stay strong. We love you. But let's get into, uh, I don't know how to transition from that. <laughs> We're going to talk about some prehistoric art today. We are going to talk about the Paleolithic. We're going to talk about caves. I love this stuff. 
It's just so We're going to talk cool. about little sculptures. <laughs> Cave paintings. Just like, uh, just cool stuff. So uh, prehistoric art. It's in the name prehistory. So in other words, this is art that was created prior to written history. Storytelling through art predates language and text, and some people even consider the creation of art to signify the beginning of the human self-consciousness. Like, we're trying to figure out what's going on with us, with the world around us. And early examples of art present an early preoccupation with the natural world and humans' roles within it. Before humans began creating what we call art, they began recognizing abstract images within nature. An example of this is the jasperite pebble resembling a human face found with the remains of an ancient human predecessor called the Australopithecus. Hmm. Yep. Australopithecus. <laughs> That'd be like a cool band name or something. Just throwing that yeah, out there. Yeah, I bet they'd be metal. Or a cool pet name. <laughs> like Australian <laughs> Shepherd. <laughs> yeah. So, and that was found in uh, Macapanscot, South Africa. The reddish brown stone is water worn. So, think like a pebble that would be rolling in a river or something and looks like a fossil, or I guess it could be rain. Water comes from lots of places. This pebble looks to me a lot like Wilson from Castaway. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> Which well, I just well, think fun. is the most connecting thing <laughs> from now <laughs> to then is like the idea that a lonely person, because this body was found alone, so who knows what their lifespan was, but at the time they died, they were alone, but they had their little pebble buddy. So the closest source of this particular stone from where the body was found is 20 miles. That means that this person carried this stone or someone moved this stone 20 miles for the pure sake that it looks like a little human face. <laughs> yeah, I'm just imagining like a prehistoric person. Like I'm I'm imagining a like remake of the infamous castaway scene when he loses Wilson. Only it's like a prehistoric <laughs> person. <laughs> it's just like really sad. It, it would be a it, lot like, easier that, to lose too. <laughs> that scene is heart wrenching. Like, oh, Tom Hanks, man. But like I said, this is an abstract item found in nature. He did not create this. So it is kind of left up to like, is it art? We can't really consider this like the first um, sculpture, you know? Yeah, yeah. It was a found object. And I guess I should mention it's from three million years ago. I don't know that I have said that yet. <laughs> a long time ago. <laughs> a long time ago. There's a big gap between this and the next thing we're going to find. So whether this is the first like Duchampian style ready-made um, <laughs> or just a cute little pebble they found. Through a modernist lens, I think you could make an argument for the idea that like, because yeah, like found object art is a thing. And so the idea of like finding an object and then giving it a new purpose, like that is an artistic act in a way. Anthropomorphizing a pebble, like that's, that's creative, like that's artistic. So I think, yeah, there definitely is an argument to be made for it. It's a bridging act regardless. Yeah. It, yeah. it is something that predates the creation of art, but is an important step in that direction. Yeah, definitely. All right. Paleolithic era. The first prehistoric era is known as the Paleolithic era or the Old Stone Age. During the Paleolithic era, humans began representing the natural world around them as it relates to them. 
They did this through paintings on cave walls and sculptures or carvings out of stone or ivory. Surviving examples dating back to the Stone Age can be found all over the world and give a glimpse into what mattered enough to inspire our ancient ancestors to create the earliest works of art. Carvers during the Paleolithic era would use pieces of flint for engraving. Painters used red, black, and brown pigments made from natural minerals and often applied these pigments using moss or animal hair as a paintbrush. They would sometimes apply pigments to cave walls using their hands. In fact, handprints have been found in sites such as the Peshmerl Cave in France that suggest humans used handprints purposely for art making. Our earliest artists would even use their hands as stencils to create a negative space. Additionally, the presence of hollowed out bones covered in pigments near notable sites have suggested that they may have used such tools to spray paint onto walls. I love that. It's like the original blow paint (laughs) or blow pens. Do you remember blow pens? Yeah, definitely. I don't know. Yeah. Like the idea that in some form spray paint was like one of the earliest mediums is very interesting to think about, you know, and like if you want to go even deeper, like connections to like the development of street art, you could technically go all the way back to the Mm -hmm. Paleolithic, which is very, Mm -hmm. I think, unexpected, you know. Yeah, and should be talked about more because they were here first. Street artists were here first. Research ideas for you academics out there. Human beings originated from Africa, if you don't know. So it makes sense to look to Africa for some of the world's oldest artwork. Beginning in 1969, scientists working in the Apollo 11 caves in Nambia discovered several fragments of stone, including five recognizable images of animals. While these species are ambiguous, the shapes are clearly meant to represent four-legged creatures, and they're all represented from uh, the side. So angle is important. If you're looking at an animal head on, it doesn't really look like an animal. (laughs) Um, It just kind of looks like a mass with two little toothpicks sticking out the bottom. So painting animals from a side vantage point makes a lot of sense just representationally and that's how we see them. One animal even dons stripes, so could be an ancient ancestor of a zebra. And the charcoal on the plaque fragments was dated to 23,000 BCE. The Apollo 11 cave paintings lack any real detail, but represent early selection of subject matter, i.e. animals, and an impetus to record the natural world. It is unsurprising that animals would be one of the first subjects to be painted onto the walls next to the early humans because that reflects their day-to-day lives. That's what they would see. That's what they're preoccupied with, whether sacred or danger or food or what have you. They were living there among the animals. An example of prehistoric art from the Americas is camelid sacrum in the shape of a canine. Those who had migrated to the Americas from Asia prior to 10,000 BCE began creating sculpture from animal bones. This work was found in Tequixquiac, central Mexico, and dates from 14,000 to 7,000 BCE. So we're talking like very tail end of the Paleolithic era, kind of moving into the Neolithic era or Mesolithic. Mesolithic. I don't know. Yeah, that one's kind of like skirted over depending on where you're yeah. like reading from. So some people acknowledge it. Some people kind of just skip to the Neolithic. Well, regardless, very, very end of the Paleolithic. Um, mm-hmm. And the precise date of the creation of this object has been widely debated. 
As the name suggests, the sculpture was crafted from the sacrum of a now extinct camelid, which is an animal that is in the same family as like a camel or alpaca. The bone is engraved and two holes were cut, which appear to represent nostrils. And in my opinion, this very interesting object looks like a terrifying pig mask, like just creepy. You're not wrong. (laughs) Creepy pig mask. (laughs) Again, we see animals as the predominant subject matter, followed by some representations of early humans themselves. Uh, Items such as this were likely considered sacred and suggest the value of shamanic religious practices at the time. In fact, the sacrum bone itself was considered sacred in some Mesoamerican cultures. The word sacrum in Latin means sacred. And then you can also think like the sacral, like chakra, like that Mm -hmm. area throughout many shamanic traditions and many cultures is just considered sacred. So using a sacral bone to create an artwork, it's possible that that has some kind of sacred or religious connotation. Based on similarity in subject and style of expression, these practices could have adapted from those being practiced in Europe, Africa, and Asia. However, it is difficult to make connections between groups of, you know, ancient prehistoric peoples with such such large distances between them. But it is also like interesting to recognize that like there are some things that that almost seem like universal despite distance Mm -hmm. across cultures you know i like to think of the elizabeth gilbert big magic idea oh yeah the um simultaneous discovery Mm -hmm. i knew you knew the know the exact expression (laughs) (laughs) so the idea that a lot of big discoveries in arts and science like happen simultaneously in different parts of the world, even if there isn't like a connection between mm-hmm. the discoverers, which is just like an interesting phenomenon for you all to think about. Yeah. And especially because in the past, it would have been just that people would have been like, oh, that's a crazy phenomenon. But nowadays, people want to jump to like theft. It's like just because that's possible now doesn't mean that's the case. Yeah, y'all should should chew on that idea for a little while um, and listen to this lovely message from our sponsors. Enjoy. And we have returned. We're talking about prehistoric art, specifically Paleolithic art. Going to just jump right back into it with a very, very important example. A lot of you probably have heard of it or have at least seen it. The Venus of Willendorf, or Woman of Willendorf, is a small sculpture that was discovered in Willendorf, Austria. It is considered an example of prehistoric mobilary art, which means mobile art, like art that can be easily moved. Prehistoric Mm -hmm. art tends to be divided into two groups, basically art that was like moved around easily and art that wasn't. And this object is dated to approximately 22,000 BCE. The sculpture depicts a figure with exaggerated breasts, hips, abdomen, and reproductive organs. It does not have arms and the legs taper off. This exaggeration of female features has led many to believe this sculpture and many like it to be a fertility idol. It is possible that such idols were highly valued as an omen of health, survival, and reproduction. What is clear from examples like these is that during the Paleolithic era, women were considered more sacred than men for sake of their childbearing abilities. Recently, it has also been suggested that the Venus of Willendorf and other such sculptures were actually more so self-portraits 
and that their shape and the way in which certain parts of the body are emphasized could be explained by thinking about what a woman might see when looking like laying down and looking at her naked body and kind of the distorted image you get mm -hmm. and then trying to transfer that into, you know, a 3D object, trying to express that in a different object, which which is a very interesting take on that is this idea that it was actually just women kind of exploring themselves to make yeah, these figurines. Totally. And I mean, there's like, let's get real, guys. There's, we're not going to know. There's no way to really like find <laughs> out, but like talking about it is interesting. And I love the self portrait theory because it's so possible. Like it just makes sense. Um, perspective wise. And that's what a lot of paleolithic art was, was kind of playing with perspective and just representation at a very pure sense, which that is looking yeah. down at your own body is just such a simple act that everyone yeah, does. Right. That's right? how we see ourselves. <laughs> so the lion man. The human with feline head or lion man of Holdenstein Shadl is a very interesting ivory sculpture from Germany dating from approximately thirty-eight thousand BCE. It was found in fragments within a cave, and then the sculpture was meticulously pieced back together by archaeologists, and it is almost a foot tall in height which is downright huge for Paleolithic art, especially mm -hmm. something that was mobile. And it blends feline and human characteristics. It has a feline head atop a human body. The sculpture could represent a human wearing a lion mask or a mythical hybrid creature. We don't know. And some scholars actually believe that the lion man is a lion woman. This makes a lot of sense considering that humans were depicted pretty infrequently in Paleolithic art. It was mostly animal or kind of abstract representations and men were almost never depicted so it just makes more sense in line with paleolithic art and the more common subject matter that it would be a lion woman again women were seen as more valuable for their role in the survival of the species people that's important again the debate surrounding the gender of the sculpture will continue because if we haven't figured it out now it's unlikely we're going to solve it but it's a mythical hybrid creature so do we have to gender it? <laughs> yeah, that, that was kind of my like, I mean, I also got kind of excited. I was like, oh, yeah, lion woman. But like, also, like, maybe it just doesn't have one. And that's OK. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? Exactly. It's it's a lion creature. <laughs> Let it be. Yeah. <laughs> Let it live. <laughs> so we don't know a gender, but that's, again, not necessarily important. And what we do know is that an ivory sculpture of this size would have been very complicated in uh, extraction and creation. I mean, you would have to first either kill or find a dead elephant. Getting ivory off of an animal is d a difficult process. You have to cut it from the base of the skull, and then you have to resize the tusk, and then you have to carve that tusk. And it just, it would take a few days. So the creation and holding on to of this item denotes its importance. All right. On to some caves. I love caves. The Lascaux cool. Cave. One of the most notable examples of cave art exists in the Lascaux Cave in southern France. These caves, which were discovered by a group of boys searching for their lost dog, date back oh. to... 
16,000 to 14,000 BCE. So once again, talking about tail end of the Paleolithic, the Lascaux Caves house over 600 images and more than 1,500 carvings made by Paleolithic peoples. Popular imagery within the caves include depictions of horses, cows, deer, and bulls. The caves were open to the public on July 14th, 1948, and then closed to the public in 1963 because the carbon dioxide and other toxins produced by the large amounts of visitors were destroying the work. There now exists a replica site that visitors may go to view this wonder of Paleolithic art. That, or you could just do what Werner Herzog did and make a documentary about it, which if you haven't seen Cave of Forgotten Dreams, you have to watch it immediately. It's so good. And I'm, I'm like such a Herzog fan. I just love his approach to He's everything. He, he is. He is a dude of mine. <laughs> but Cave of Forgotten Dreams is just so good. It is so well done. And yeah, if you, if you're interested in cave art or if you're not, like you should check out this documentary. I think it's just, it's just really well done. And also, if you want to get like real weird with it, a book that I have next to me right now that I really enjoy called The Shamans of Prehistory, Trance and Magic in the Painted Caves by Jean Klotz and David Lewis Williams is another uh, really good resource to go to. Uh, Jean Klotz was actually interviewed in Cave of Forgotten Dreams, and he's just like a leading, for years has been like a leading researcher in terms of cave art, basically. And he has some very interesting takes on like the the spiritual and the religious context. So if that interests you, check both of those things out. Lascaux yeah. Caves. Yeah, hold on to those sources because uh, good sources for Paleolithic art are not, uh, yeah, are not dude. abundant. <laughs> it's hard to find people yeah. that like, you know, just go all in on it. And so that's why I definitely appreciate the ones that I do find for sure. And the one, like, like I said, I like this guy's research because he really, he really draws conclusions from these things. He's not, you know, he like has ideas. He's not just trying to like share the basic information that obviously we know, like he's actually mm -hmm. like drawing conclusions and coming up with really interesting ideas about cave art. So yeah, which like we're talking about pre-written history, but there are some pretty old written texts about like shamanic traditions and stuff and like the Vedas mm -hmm. in India and all of that. Like this stuff exists. So the people who actually take the time to research it and like come up with interesting theories, like good on them. Yeah. All right. Way to go, guys. <laughs> yeah. So most recently, cave paintings have been found in Borneo, Indonesia, dating back 40,000 years. So these animal paintings are thousands of years older than previously found paintings in Europe, making them the oldest paintings of animals that have been found to date. On the mm -hmm. cave walls are figurative paintings of a wild cow with horns about five feet wide and human scenes that are a little more ambiguous. While this discovery doesn't tell us anything new, it tells us that human beings began to create art similarly all over the world in remote locations. So like we talked about earlier, migration happened, but we don't really know the ins and outs of the connection between people and the communication mm -hmm. among traditions and creation, especially all of the stuff we're talking about. So whether the spread of art making was a re result of migration or some greater human consciousness, we can only speculate. And we're going to speculate in the Patreon extra we're going to record right after this. Yep, this so was just our... 
our warm up. <laughs> so if you enjoyed this and you want to hear us talk a little bit more about uh, these animal paintings that were found and just kind of ideas about prehistoric art, head on over to our Patreon, patreon.com slash art history, babes, $1 a month. And you can hear all the extra bonus content that you want. There's a lot of it. We run so long on our baby episodes sometimes. <laughs> I know. And especially the ones that we don't think we are. I feel like we go over the deep end and the research on ones that we like don't necessarily feel as comfortable with yeah the subject like <laughs> like the idea prehistoric was, art <laughs> yeah right. the idea was for these episodes to be like 15 minutes and they're almost like always 30 <laughs> but you know we like talking about art sorry about it sorry about it whatever um but <laughs> thank you for listening to our baby episode on paleolithic art this is yeah a really fun topic to speculate on and like come up with your own ideas because you know it's impossible for us to know a lot of these things so if it's something you're interested in or you have cool resources or thoughts please email us arthistorybabes at gmail.com like i said head over to our patreon check us out on youtube and yeah we will catch y'all next time bye from Cabernet to Montclair, they're here to slay the art history babes. Water comes from lots of places.